0: Good news, good news, good news. Welcome to this Good News Friday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. And so glad you have uh, tuned in today to share the good news of the gospel, to hear good news stories. We've got some, there's definitely a theme uh, to this year, uh, to this edition of the program. But I also want to share too, I'll get this out of the way right off the bat, that today is my birthday. And it was in uh, this, it was on Friday, September 1st, 1961 that uh, my mom and dad welcomed me into the family and my older sister Linda uh, landed 730 days prior to my arrival. It's interesting, we used to tease my parents, I share this story a lot, but my parents were schedule makers, they were kind of you know, organized and orderly people. And when it was time for them to have kids, they waited a couple of years after they got married before they had us My dad had some grad school work to do and they wanted to travel a little bit and they did. So, you know, in your mid twenties, if you don't have, if you're married and don't have kids yet, people go, what's wrong, are you okay? But uh, my parents decided that they thought it'd be nice to have a boy and a girl and they wanted them two years apart. And so my sister's birthday, my big sister, Linda, her birthday is actually tomorrow, uh, September 2nd. And for years we used to have the best time, just teasing my parents about the fact that they, hey, you missed by one day, you know, because I mean, if I remember correctly, I don't have the exact time of day squared, but we were literally like within an hour of each other, two years apart, minus a day. And I'll never forget the revelation that I had. I think it was maybe about 10 years ago when I was going through something, looking at schedules, looking at calendars. I mean, that's kind of my world as we schedule and we time and, you know, for, for the show. And it occurred to me that Linda was born in 1959 and I was born in 1961 and 1960 was a leap year. And you know what that means. There was a February 29th in 1960. And you know what that means? (laughs) That that means that technically we are not two years apart on calendar because we each have our own birthday, but we are 730 days apart. So now you can imagine what that did to my younger brother who came three and a half years after I was born (laughs) in terms of mom and dad saying we wanted a boy and a girl two years apart and we got them and and then here here well i i won't go into that so brian happy birthday in february but uh, uh today is my birthday so because it's my birthday if you really want a present uh you know like we did when isaac's birthday and lisa's birthday my isaac my grandson and lisa my wife um 800-227-5278 we do have a giveaway today that we'll be sharing but um if you want a prize and you want to just to celebrate birthday with me, I'm grateful for every birthday I get now. I mean, especially when you survive open heart surgery. Um, I know that with the marvels of modern technolo- medical technology, I'm here by the grace of God. And I also understand too, that if I had been born in a different generation with the physical condition that I had with my uh, aortic valve, uh, the, bi- uh, the aortic valve being bicuspid instead of tricuspid, I would have been one of those guys who died in their mid 50s and we would have said wow you know hey your dad was old dude you know (laughs) that was about it um but as i get to celebrate my parents 90th birthdays this year which we did earlier this year um, i'm grateful for every breath that i have uh, you know have had beyond march the 12th of 2018. so nonetheless i uh uh, i'm grateful for the opportunity and uh and thank you in advance if you do call in with some birthday wishes now i meant earlier this week. We featured a movie called "Never Give Up." Remember that uh, tennis story? Rick Eldridge, the producer of uh, uh, The Ultimate Gift and a variety of other great Christian faith-based movies, is the producer of "Never Give Up." It's the story of Bradford Menz, who is the guy who won the gold medal in men's tennis at the 1985 Deaf World Games. And this, he had been he was born with a bit of a hearing deficiency. Um, he wound up losing all of his hearing by the age of three, but because he did have recollection of hearing voices and things like that, with a hearing aid, he could hear and he actually, he could read lips very well. He never learned sign language. Um, and when you listen to him today, uh, he, you can tell he still speaks with a bit of a deficiency in that he can't always hear all the words that are coming through. But it's a very, very inspiring story. He, he was involved in a tennis match that resulted in the greatest comeback in the history of tennis and of course this week uh, the movie opens today by the way so if you are looking for something to do this weekend I highly recommend you you go see it but this week it's important today is uh, uh, World Deaf Awareness Month kicks off starting today the September's World Deaf Awareness Month but also the U.S. Open tennis tournament is happening in New York right now and um and so there's a lot of talk about tennis and a lot of talk about you know uh, special needs and things of that nature. But I really hope you'll go see the movie. I wanted to kick off our Good News Friday edition of the program with a good news story about a young woman who is, uh, she kind of came out of nowhere about four-ish, maybe five years ago, hit the pro circuit when she was about 15. And really just uh, came out with a, 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 a solid, spectacular tennis game. Her name is uh, Coco Goff, G-A-U-F-F, and when she first hit the scene, she was playing in some of the major tournaments at the age of 15. As a matter of fact, she had to bow out of some of the other majors because of her amateur status and her age. She did not have enough hours or wasn't old enough, something like that, to where she was going to get in some kind of violation if she uh, you know, kept playing in these tournaments. She is a, uh, what well, she's about five ten. You know, she's got that same kind of uh, Serena Venus Williams type of vibe about her, and people have really just enjoyed her game. But it's been interesting to watch her. So we watch a lot of tennis here in the uh, uh, in the Marsh household, and uh, my uh, daughter Taylor and son-in-law Christian run a tennis academy in uh, Dallas, Texas area. And Lisa and I like playing when we do play. We haven't played in quite some time, but. Anytime there's a good tennis match on, we're, we're more than happy to watch it. And we've been watching Coco because, you know, seeing a 15-year-old out there, I mean, she's 19 now, kind of becoming an elder statesman on the, or a stateswoman on the, on the circuit. And knowing that the women's game is such that it they, there really isn't the dominant star right now. I mean, everyone seems to have their 15 minutes of fame, but there hasn't been someone like the Williams sisters come in and just run the table for years and years. So who knows? Maybe Coco's the next one. Um, she has won a couple of championships she made it to a grand slam event final with the grand slam of tennis is the french open the wimbledon championships in england the u.s open and the australian open and those four um, are played throughout the year australia is played in uh, uh, january and then french the french opens played in may i believe and then you've got wimbledon in july and then the u.s open in september and for those who are listening on uh, kbrt am 740 um, i know you can pick up uh, kbrt in that uh, neck of the woods called the coachella valley uh, you know that indian wells has a tennis tournament as well and that, that's uh, uh, referred to as the fifth grand slam event if you win indian wells it's an atp 1000 it's a uh, it's a it's a it's a great event well, Coco Gauff uh, finally had a chance to win another big event. Actually, 2023 has been a good year for Coco. Uh, she won the Western and Southern Open Women's Singles Championship um, in Cincinnati, Ohio. And that was great. It became her second major competition, um, you know, victory in a couple of weeks. And it's interesting because when she was, uh, you know, she's, she's had her ups and downs and she's a teenager. And sometimes you could tell she's, She's playing like, her teen, uh, like a teenager, you know, making some, you know, kind of rookie mistakes and things of that nature. But after she won the championship at the Western and Southern Open uh, in Cincinnati, uh, in her remarks after winning the victory, she said, I would like to thank my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Uh, she continued by saying, I've spent a lot of li- nights alone, crying, trying to figure all this out. And while she acknowledged that she still has a lot to figure out, she said, I thank him, capital H, for covering me. When she beat uh, the Czech Republic's Karolina Buchova at the WTA uh, Western and Southern in Cincinnati, she posted on Instagram a variety of different, you know, things celebrating the victory. And then she wrote, most importantly, thank you, God, for always keeping me covered. Uh, when she won the Mubadala City, D.C. opened a couple weeks ago, Washington, D.C., uh, when accepting the cup. She said, I'd like to thank my father God for this. Now, she lost at Wimbledon the month prior, didn't get to the finals. And she said, quite frankly, what helped her to secure the victory in these other tenements, uh, tournaments rather, is she said, a lot of prayer and a lot of support from my church family. Now, this is great. I, I, I love the fact that it, this hadn't really been made public, but she when she was rising on the scene in 2019, she gave an interview with the New York Times. And during that, that uh, interview, they asked her what her rally was, or rallying cry, what kind of helped her stay grounded. And she said, well, before every match, ever since I was eight years old, my dad and I have prayed together. She said, we don't really pray about victory. We just pray that my opponent and I stay safe that we play fair and we thank God for the opportunity. When she defeated Venus Williams at Wimbledon that year, she said her her first uh, uh, response was to thank God just for the opportunity to be in that situation, to play. It's amazing that she said, (laughs) uh, one of the things that shows a certain level of maturity uh, with regard to her faith she uh, gave an interview to New York Times Magazine the following year after her Wimbledon success. And they asked her, are you sure that, you know, are you still playing, uh, praying before every match and this type of stuff? And she said, absolutely. I said, So what do you pray for? And I said, well, we pray for, you know, good health and a fair outcome. And, you know, just that we'd all stay focused. And then <laughs> the reporter apparently asked her, well, don't you pray for a victory? And. Coco Goff, at all of age 16 at that point, said to the reporter, without even thinking about it, she said, you know, I don't think it would be wise to waste a prayer on the results of a tennis match. Showing a lot of wisdom is this young lady, and it's very encouraging, too. So if you're heading out this weekend to go see Never Give Up, the great movie about the deaf world uh, open champion tennis player, uh, Brad Minns, um, and you want to be encouraged by the faith of Coco Goff, who's playing at the U.S. Open right now, uh, I encourage you to check out the article that we have posted at thebottomlineshow.com. As we continue, a guy who has made headlines for running for office, for leading worship, and for trying to get uh, America to hit the knees and prayer in singing songs of thanksgiving before the Lord nationwide um, is making headlines again, but this time it's not because of something that he did, it's because of something that he didn't do. And someone did actually something to him that uh, made a lot of heads turn. What happens if you're a worship leader and someone steals one of your guitars? And not just any guitar, but a classic guitar that you had been using during a street ministry outreach. And um, well, you find the guy who actually stole your guitar. How do you handle it? Uh, Sean Foigt is the singer in question and the story has an amazingly happy ending that should sound very familiar to anybody who's ever been forgiven of all their sin. We'll talk about that coming up next as the bottom line continues. You can protect against market volatility without investing all your money into bonds. Wilson Financial has simply better alternatives.
1: The last 12 months there has been almost 1.7 trillion invested in investment grade bonds. This move to safety locks up money for a long time of guaranteed low returns. Why? Market volatility. Well, my comment is why go with low earnings for a long time when you can get great earnings with a solid real estate-backed investment paying you 6% over the next three years. After three years, you can invest in another option or you can do what most of our investors do and reinvest in another one of our new exclusive 6% accounts. This strategy gives you the best of both options without settling for many years of low returns. Our 3D Money 6% account pays you great interest while you're not subjecting yourself to market volatility. Call 800-696-9970,
0: 800-696-9970, or visit kbrightradio.com slash Wilson Financial and ask about Dennis Wilson's exclusive real estate-backed 6% investment account, Wilson Financial Services, for simply better alternatives. Welcome back to this Good News Friday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Good News Friday story coming out of uh, Northern California involving a guy with the name of Sean Feucht, F-E-U-C-H-T. You know, he's got the kind of curvy hair. His hair looks like Gene Wilder, right? Okay. This is a guy who was a worship leader from Northern California. He wound up running for Congress. He didn't make it out of the primaries. And then when the lockdown started happening, he started leading these uh, Worship America tours. Remember, you probably uh, have seen them, maybe even went to one. And that, you know, thousands of people would show up at the beach or show up at a park or something like that. And they're all getting baptized and just really great revival. Well, Sean is still doing this revival stuff. Uh, The Let Us Worship campaign is still going strong. And it's very interesting because uh, when you see the people that are coming to these events, it's just amazing to me to see how a lot of people will just say, you know, uh, well, this is a show. You know, this, the, you're just doing this for the notoriety. You're just looking for the likes and clicks. I don't think that, uh, that, that there's any sort of credibility. Well, let me share a story with you about something that happened to Sean a couple months ago that has, I believe, a happy ending. In a tweet on June 22nd, uh, he had indicated that he was, um, uh, one of his guitars had been stolen. He said, and then a couple days later, uh, same thing happened again. This time he was in Spokane, Washington, and he had a 1967 Gallagher guitar, which I will be perfectly honest with you—I have no idea how valuable that is. But uh, you know, June 22nd, someone broke into his car, stole his guitar, and then in July, this is his tweet: "Our car was broken into again." Uh, this time my guitar was stolen from downtown Spokane last night it was a 1967 Gallagher that was a gift from Ray Hughes and it's irreplaceable please pray for justice pray for our family and please pray against these constant attacks now I'll be honest with you um, when when I see these things happening and I look at you know the guitar in question I, I'm sure it's valuable to Sean Foigt. I'm sure it's a uh, very, very, you know, meaningful to him. But at the end of the day, you have to ask, um, you know, where what's the priority? You know, I mean, he had other guitars. <laughs> He's had a couple stolen. And I know that you're doing the Lord's work. I mean, when you think about uh, the saints who've gone before us, who've been thrown in prison, beheaded, fed to lions, et cetera, et cetera. someone stealing your guitar is an inconvenience, but is it something that we need to, you know, really just jump all in and pray? Well, people started praying. And the Holy Spirit started working because you never know what God's going to do. I don't know that you pray and say, God, please uh, uh, give me my guitar back. But right, it's like, God, what are you going to do in this? I mean, there were a lot of attacks against Sean by people who don't want him to do what he's doing. So here's the deal. Um, Sean wrote later that a miracle had taken place. A guy by the name of Dean, who is an associate of Sean Foyke's ministry, um, basically was doing street ministry in a different city and a guy by the name of Zach came up to him and he said are you working with Sean yeah I am he goes I okay I have a confession to make I'm the guy who broke into his car and stole his guitar and so it's interesting because um uh the guy he said I just really liked the guitar and I saw it and figured he wouldn't miss it and so um, he said I I just I want to come clean I want to get the I want to make this right with you and so he said well I'll tell you what I mean I I want you to know whose guitar you took and so he pulled up a YouTube channel Bethel Music Channel and started showing the guy Zach who um, Sean was. And he goes, you know, this is the guitar you took. You know, this is this is what you're dealing with here. And he's leading worship and he, they're singing songs. And he said something really miraculous happened when Zach started hearing those songs. You could see his heart begin to change. And so Dean said, hey, you know what? We're going to do a lettuce worship event here in Spokane again. Would you come and tell your story about just how you were motivated to steal the guitar and Something got a hold of you. You didn't know what it was. You tracked me down and said, I'm the guy who took it. I want to give it back. I want to make this right. And uh, let's see what happens. And so the guy said, OK, OK, I'll do it. Um, so basically what happened was they had a Let Us worship event in Spokane. And Zach showed up with the guitar. And they called him up on stage. And, and Sean said, you know what, I just I want to. I want to celebrate God's redemption here and, you know, kind of bringing this back in this story to fruition. And then he said, I'll tell you what, let's do this right now. Let's, uh, we're going to lay hands on Zach and we're going to pray that God um, will, would move in his heart. Would you pray that Zach would surrender his life to the Lord? I mean, that would make everything, you know, complete if that in fact does happen. And so guess what? It did. And so it's amazing. Sean Foy wrote on his Instagram page. He said, guys, you're not gonna believe this. The guy who stole my guitar just gave his life to Jesus. He's getting baptized right now. He came, surprised me, because Dean had set this up at, at, in front of 7,000 people. And he came up and said, man, I'm the guy who stole your guitar. I wanna make it right. Will you please forgive me? And they said, let's pray that he receives Christ. And he did. And there is a picture on Instagram of Sean baptizing Zach. Isn't that wonderful? I mean, I think of like the thief on the cross saying, uh, hey, Jesus, will you remember we when you enter your kingdom? And Jesus says, today you'll be with me in paradise. How wonderful and what a great story of redemption. Instead of saying, I'm gonna press charges. Do you know how valuable that guitar was and all the pain and suffering you caused me? Instead, he said, thanks for giving it back. I forgive you because Jesus has forgiven me. He can forgive you too. And there you go. We've got a link for this story up at thebottomlineshow.com. And it's a good one. It's just, it's so encouraging. On the other side of this break, I want to take a look, do a little bit deeper dive into this whole issue of salvation and ask the question that a lot of people ask, and that is it, how do you know that your name is written in the book of life? Chad Bird's going to respond to that for us coming up next as The Bottom Line continues. Welcome back to this Good News Friday edition of The Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Martian. It's my birthday today. Uh, 62 candles on the cake, which means I have to have a bigger cake because there's no way you can get that many candles. Uh, I don't need a lot of cake because I just can't do sugar. Gallbladder can't handle it anymore. Um, If you want a prize, you can have a goodie bag from me. 800-227-5278. Crystal will set you up with that. Um, We were talking about Sean Foyk, the lettuce worship guy who had a guitar stolen just outside of Spokane, Washington. And when the guy who stole it was able to track down Sean's assistant, Um, The assistant said, hey, well, you know what? If you want to make things right, I'll tell you what, let's surprise Sean. Come to the Spokane event, and we'll have you give him back the guitar. And so they did on stage in front of a bunch of people. The Holy Spirit intervened, and Zach, the guy who stole the guitar, wound up getting baptized. Just a remarkable story. But questions would be asked, well, how do you know it's real? And the question that a lot of people ask is, how do you know so-and-so's name is written in the book of life? And God's response to that is, well, why don't you worry about whether your name is written in there too? Uh, Chad Byrd addressed this in a recent social media post and I want to conclude this half hour by sharing what he wrote. How do I know my name is written in the book of life? How do you know that your name is written in the book of life? You do not explore the hidden mind of the Almighty on a mystic quest to read his thoughts. You do not look inward to gauge the cleanness of your hearts. You look outward to Christ who is the book of life in the flesh. God the Father has written your name not in words, but in wounds. The nail-pierced hands, the thorn-enriched brow, the spear-hewn side. In those bleeding wounds is the ink by which your name is inscribed. Before you did anything, good or bad, before you were conceived, even before the foundation of the world, God the Father tattooed your name upon the body of His Son. He wrote it in the book of life. And in time, he preached to you that apart from him, you are dead and damned. But by his spirit, he called you to repentance. He called you by the gospel. He worked faith into your heart. He baptized you. He forgave you. He made you his child. In other words, he showed you your name in letters bright and clear, written in the Lamb's book of life. Do not worry yourself with vain speculations about some hidden secret decision that God made ages ago about who would be saved. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, the one in whom God reveals his fullness to us, the lamb slain from the foundation of the world, the one who wills that all be saved and come to know the knowledge of the truth. Read only this book of life, Jesus Christ. See your name written there in the waters of baptism, in the forgiveness spoken, in the body and blood of the supper. Christ Jesus is the book of life. In him and him alone, our names are written. That's such a beautiful verse from Chad Bird, which we'll put up at thebottomlineshow.com. And when I came across that part where he was discussing about uh, your name being tattooed in the body, I only see if I could find that line again because it was so, it was so brilliant. Um, Don't worry yourself with vain speculations. Uh, read only the book of life. See your name written there in the waters of baptism, in the body and blood of the supper. Supper. I think of the uh, tattoo that I have on my right arm, that is a cross with an olive branch that intersects it at the base, and the the verse from third John chapter four, or verse four. Uh, I, it says, I rejoice in the knowledge that my children are walking in truth. You know, I, that's, I think, the, what the father has tattooed on the arm of his son as well. And that's the beauty of the good news of the gospel. So whether it's a guy, I mean, you look at the Sean Foyt story, here's somebody who should have been condemned and prosecuted and charged with a crime, but the one to whom he committed, or the one against whom he committed the crime says, I forgive you now find real forgiveness in christ i think of coco goff being hit up by the new york times reporter asking what do you pray for before a match and she said oh the good health of my opponent and myself and don't you pray for a victory and she said why would i waste a prayer on results like that don't let your life be wasted brothers and sisters every opportunity use it to further the kingdom that is the good news and that's the bottom line On the other side of this break, one of my favorite interviews we've ever done on The Bottom Line Show. It's my birthday. We're going to do it. Phyllis Fender, the widow of Leo Fender, you know, the guy who invented the electric guitar. Yeah, that conversation. We're getting into it next as The Bottom Line continues. Thank you. Good news, good news, good news. Welcome to this Good News Friday edition of The Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, and today is my birthday. Uh, So 62 years ago, Warren and Kathy Marsh were blessed to be parents for a second time. I say blessed because I'm blessed that they had me. And to honor the day, we're going to get into revisiting a conversation I had many years ago with the widow of Leo Fender. Her name is Phyllis Fender. She and uh, her associate, Randall Bell, wrote a book about Leo called The Quiet Giant Heard Around the World. And we have a copy of this book we'll be giving away at the end of the conversation today uh, here at The Bottom Line Show. But first, let's get into it. Phyllis Fender, Randall Bell, welcome to The Bottom Line.
2: Hi to all of you. Hello.
0: What a great privilege this is. I mean, for me, just as I, I, I was still thinking back to owning my very first electric base, which, of course, was a Fender P base, because that's just what you did. And not, you know, when you're 16 years old, you don't think about, you know, where it came from. Someone had to put this together. And then to find out that the creator of all this was literally, I went to Cal State Fullerton. I taught at Fullerton wow. College. I mean, this is, this is home turf for me. Phyllis, what was it like for you? You know, you've got the, this iconic name, and people say, oh, you were married to... Oh, my goodness here <laughs> What's it like <laughs> for you and exactly,
2: people? Are... That's exactly what they say. Oh yeah
0: <laughs> very, very exciting <laughs> Phil, Phyllis now when did how did you and Leo meet? When did you meet?
2: Um, he was uh, the boss uh, of GNL mm-hmm. and the his vice president George Fullerton and his wife Lucille, attended the same church that I did. okay. In fact, George was in the choir with me. And we just became best friends. And um, when Leo's wife died, um, he was not having a good time
3: mm-hmm.
2: and uh, was didn't have a family to go to to have dinners with and this and that. And so he started having meals with George and Lucille almost every night. Mm-hmm. And they invited me over one night just to uh, add to the table. Uh-huh. And uh, it, uh, we became friends, and then he asked Leo asked me out for a party, and then we went here and we went there, and pretty soon we were on the love boat. You know, Phyllis, <laughs> as
0: you're telling that story, I love how the, the tone in your voice turned ever so slightly when you said, "And then Leo asked me out for a party," because then you, I can hear it. This it's like it's, that you're reliving that moment all over again.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it, it was a lovely Christmas party put on one, uh, on by one of the uh, Country Music Association people, and, that, and it was a fun party. And the
0: CMA was very near and dear to Leo's heart, was it not?
2: Yes, yes. Yeah. He, uh, he felt that they were true musicians there, I think, because mostly it was all country,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and uh, that was his style, country,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and uh, so, no, he was very, very happy with that organization.
0: Phyllis Fender is my guest today here on The Bottom Line, the widow of Leo Fender, the guy, yeah, that Fender, we're talking about Fender guitars, Fender instruments. Randall Bell is also in on the conversation, too, because Phyllis and Randall have teamed up to put together a biography of sorts of Leo Fender, The Quiet Giant Heard Around the World, and the link is up at thebottomlineshow.com. Now, Randy, how did you come in contact with uh, the Fender family and uh, get to know everybody so well to where you could actually help put this book together?
4: Well, I live two blocks away. I grew up two blocks, I should say. My mom's ninety-five, and she's still there, two two streets away from the Fenders. And oh, my nice. dad actually worked for Fender. He was the, the head of uh, research and development. And Freddie Travaris, who invented uh, with Leo the Stratocaster, he played at my sister's wedding in our backyard. Oh so, my! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it, it's it was just part of growing up. And then when I had the privilege of meeting Mrs. Fender down at the museum. Um, I thought, uh, hey, you know, this story has to be documented. Leo yes. was notoriously quiet in the neighborhood, mm-hmm. and I thought he's such a fascinating guy. We got to get this down on paper.
0: I, I, that, I'm enjoying the irony of that, Randy. The fact that Leo Fender, the guy who gave us the Stratocaster, the Telecaster, basically, you know, the the whole electric guitar, you know, I- issue that that turned into Jimi Hendrix and Eric Clapton, but he was. By himself, he's a pretty quiet guy, you know, just like Fullerton, kind of a cool little vibe in the neighborhood. You know, you wouldn't you'd see him on the street or maybe in the grocery store and you wouldn't think anything of it. And yet you realize, okay, every time I think about Hendrix burning a guitar at Woodstock or something like that, that's thanks to Leo Fender.
4: right? (laughs) Yeah, he was he, he really made music explode very, very loudly. You know, Led Zeppelin and the Beatles and Hendrix, every Eric Clapton was down at the plant. Everybody came there. And they were so notoriously quiet about it, it was quite comical, really.
0: Oh, my goodness. Leo Fender, The Quiet Giant Heard round the World is the name of the book, written by Phyllis Fender, his widow, and Randall Bell. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Now, Phyllis, you mentioned that you uh, got to know Leo through uh, uh, work acquaintances that were part of the choir that you were singing at a church at the time. What church was that? Uh, give a little shout-out uh, if they're still going.
2: Temple Baptist Church in Fullerton and unfortunately they're no longer there.
0: Okay. Well, but uh,
2: the church was started in my parents' backyard under the apricot tree. Oh seven years ago. And so it was really a home base for all of our Dalton family. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it was it was a Great place to meet anybody.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and of course, you were married before. Uh, before you and yes, Leo got, uh-huh. got married too, with, with with children, how was what was it like for your family to say, "Okay, mom has a new bow, and the beau just happens to be the guy who you know gave Jimi Hendrix something to play."
2: Uh, you know what? All they thought about was mother was happy, ah. and uh, they didn't play guitars themselves. My kids, I have a sis, couple sisters that play guitars. Uh, none of my kids uh, play instruments, except grandchildren do now. Mm-hmm. But um, no, we didn't think of him as anybody special except somebody that liked mother, you know, wow. uh, that that uh, thought I was pretty neat. <laughs> and, and they were all surprised that somebody thought that. <laughs> you well, know how kids are. <laughs> sure,
0: sure. I'm sure they were very protective and wanted to make sure that, you know, you were in a, in a healthy relationship, and it just yeah. so happened that Leo, who was treating Mom so well, was this rather iconic music figure too. Um, Randy, let's uh, talk just a moment about the, the the impact that he's had, because you mentioned that you met uh, Phyllis at the, uh, at the museum. There's been so much documented about this, and it would take most of us a lifetime Time to try to figure out the impact of the uh, Leo Fender legacy. But uh, take us through those early years. I mean, as kind of a historian, if you will, of the of the Fender legacy. You know, what was it like? You know, for uh, the music world when he first started doing this. What was leading him to do this in the first place?
4: It, it's really a terrific story, Roger, because Leo was literally born in a barn down on the corner of uh, Harbor Boulevard and La Palma. It's now a park, and mm-hmm. then he started his first shop on up. Uh, at 107 South Harbor, that's where he invented the Telecaster. Um, he it was a, it's actually a very small shop. It's on the National Historical Society register, mm-hmm. and it did explode. And then he bought he he built a plant just a couple blocks east on Valencia. That's now a garage park. And then it exploded even further. And went over to Raymond Avenue. That's my, where my dad worked. That's where the Stratocaster was invented, and. Um, and it just—it's a very nondescript building. Leo was very, very simple, and he was very into function. And it's all part of the Fullerton landscape. I never, in my entire life, heard a negative thing about Leo Fender. He was just a good, nice guy. And if he had a, you had a—you know—if you worked there, which my dad did, he—my dad absolutely loved it.
0: Mm. Boy, what a great legacy, I mean, to to think that sometimes, and and I'm trying to be as fair as I can to people who work in the creative world, but Phyllis, you can address this too. Sometimes when you're around someone who is arguably a genius and a visionary, and it's literally, I mean, we're talking Walt Disney type of, you know, comparisons here with Leo Fender Mm -hmm. because of the fact that what he did had not, I mean, there was no, there's no prototype, you know, for this. He just said, hey, I think this would be a great idea. And from what I understand, those first electric guitars look kind of funky. I mean, they—they they... Yeah,
2: they were. Weird. We have a couple of them at the museum, and they are weird. I'm sorry. Leo. I'm sorry. Leo. They're just
3: looking weird. I'm sorry.
0: Well, you know, but but at the same time, though, what what do you have to compare it to? You know, at the time, you had classical right. guitars, you had acoustic guitars, but how would you make something that was, you know, do you just amplify an acoustic, or do you make something that, you know, one of the more solid body designed, and then what kind of tones do they get? And he literally went from a standing start. So I. I would imagine that some of the first few incarnations, kind of like the first few airplanes and the first few automobiles, were kind of goofy-looking, right?
4: (laughs) That's for sure. That's for sure. And what's funny, Roger, is the guys that, that, uh, when Leo came out with that first guitar, they laughed at him. they called them boat paddles, and then what happened is (laughs) as soon as it got popular... They started going from laughing at him to try
0: and take credit for it. Right. <laughs> sure, sure. It wasn't such a great idea until people liked him and bought them, and then all of a sudden it, yeah, we were right there at the beginning. Uh, Phyllis Fender is my guest, along with Randall Bell. They are the co-authors of the brand new book called Leo Fender, The Quiet Giant Heard Round the World. Uh, we've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com as we continue. We'll we'll talk about a little bit more, just getting to know the, the life of Leo Fender, uh, hear more about his love story with his, uh, his widow Phyllis, and why especially here in this time in this season, uh, those of us in the faith community can really uh, can really smile about this story and how Leo Fender's legacy has impacted the world. My conversation with Phyllis Fender and Randall Bell continues in just a moment here on the Bottom Line.
5: You're a Christian who's been injured, so you need Christian attorney Stephanie Cover of Cover Law to fight for you. With Stephanie, it's not just a routine legal process; it's a spiritual battle. She understands that a legal fight involves more than flesh and blood. It means confronting principalities and powers, and that's why she consistently prays with and for her clients. She forms long-lasting relationships with her clients, just as you would expect from someone who engages in spiritual battle alongside another believer. Praise for Stephanie pours in through cards, thank you texts, and letters from clients who thank her for checking up on them, coming to see them in the hospital, praying, and even finding alternative care when current care is inadequate. Inspired by Jesus' command to love one another, Stephanie uses her skill as an attorney and knowledge of insurance processes to fight for your completeness and healing. Don't wait any longer. Contact Stephanie Cover today at kbrightradio.com cover and let her take up your spiritual battle
0: welcome back to this good news friday edition of the bottom line show i'm roger marsh and it's my birthday so we're revisiting a conversation i had years ago with phyllis fender the widow of leo fender and their business associate randall bell uh, we've got their book leo fender the quiet giant hurt Round the world up at thebottomlineshow.com and we're giving away a copy of the book today 800-227-5278 800-227-5278 800 We were talking before the break about Randy and I were just having a good howl. And when you mentioned it, too, about the fact that uh, that the original uh, designs for the Fender guitars looked like boat paddles. They were just kind of goofy looking. And it took a while for the Leo to kind of figure out the best way to do this. Um, why did he do this in the first place? I, I think that's the, the the question that a lot of people are asking. is What was the motivation behind making an electric guitar in the first place for Leo Fender?
2: Well, Leo, uh, we saw, well, told told everybody how quiet he was, and he had a dream one night in his quietness, and um, nobody ever heard about this dream, and for years and years and years, until he married me, and I'm not saying y- yippee me, because it had <laughs> nothing to do with me,
3: mm-hmm.
2: but I uh, one night we were just sitting here at the house, and I said, why... Do you work so hard and how did you feel what made you do all the things that you've done and it's all amazing and he just sat there and was didn't say anything and I said Leo why did you do this I mean it's wonderful the world loves it why did you do this and he said well I never talked about it and come to find out he had had a dream one night he had a dream and I said, okay, tell me. And he said, Jesus talked to me. And I took a deep breath and I said, what? And he said, Jesus talked to me. And he told me that the reason that I was born and the reason that I'm working in electronics was that my job on this earth is to create a guitar or a type of music uh, instrument that will make this world a better place. He said, because musicians, especially guitarists, musicians, are angels sent sent from God, because the world can't exist without music, because it's just too hard. And he said, my job is to make the best instruments any musician can play. Mm. And that's what he based everything in his life on, was that dream and that message that he felt that was from God and from Jesus oh,
0: Christ, my. I'm I'm getting goosebumps thinking about that because I know how powerful the ministry of music is in the lives of anybody. I mean, even people yes. who aren't or are outside the church, uh, right. music can really you know inspire, can change minds, can change hearts. And, and at mm-hmm. the same time, too, we also know that there are some people who will use it, you know, to kind of ex- express anger and frustration and, and protest and things like that. In your book uh, about Leo Fender, The Quiet Giant Heard around the World, there, there's a, a quote that struck me. You were talking about the kinds of musicians who use Fender instruments, which is everybody – but especially when you saw what was happening in the 60s and 70s, and that was kind of a tough time for Leo, because for everyone who was using it to try to make the world a better place, there were a lot of guys who part of their act was smashing guitars on stage and yeah. things like that. And that that was tough for him, wasn't it?
2: It was did not make him happy. Uh, uh, Leo and Esther, the first Mrs. Fender, had had no children, and Leo's instruments became his children. Mm. And... To see a man stand there and smash together something that he, with his own mind and hands, had built, uh, smash it to pieces or burn it up or toss it, you know, on the wall, uh, was very painful for okay. him. He okay. just uh, They were his children. Mm. They were his children.
0: It really does show a lot about values in the culture and how it was such a tumultuous time. I remember reading a story about a drummer back— it might have been Keith Moon, it might have been Ian Pace from Deep Purple— who said, you know, they asked him why he kicked over his drum kit after the end of his show, and he said, well, I bought it. I'll bloody well boot it. I mean, that was the, that's the way they looked at it. They didn't see that, hey, somebody had to create this and design this, and how, how neat, Randy, for you, you know, with your dad having worked for Leo Fender, to have the opportunity to see these iconic musicians just kind of filing in and out of the factory, knowing that, hey, wait a minute, we're designing this, and these guys are changing the world of music using this instrument.
4: Yeah, you know, and w- what else, Roger? It's very fascinating down the plant. Uh, you know, Leo and my dad and all the guys—they—they wore—they were very conservative. they were mechanical engineers. They had the pocket pocket black, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, protectors. And and you see the hippies on the other side of the table, you know, and and the, you know, you saw the most extreme lifestyles, uh, you know, represented there at the same table. And yet there was this really great mutual respect for each other. Mm-hmm. It was a really cool thing. And my dad, Leo, nobody ever got autographs or took pictures. It was all just about dialing in the vibe that the musician wanted and supporting them, even if they didn't like the music per se. Um, It was all about connecting the generations and helping each other out
0: mm, boy I, I'm just imagining that and, and in an era where there's so much tension and division in the culture isn't it interesting where these guys should have been at odds with each other the pocket protecting engineers versus the hippies <laughs> who were you know doing what they were doing and yet they found the camaraderie they found the common ground and the common ground was music what a fascinating conversation today here on the bottom line I'm Roger Martian uh, joined uh, honored to be joined by Phyllis Fender the widow of Leo Fender and also Randy Bell the co-author of the brand new book called Called Leo Fender, The giant, Quiet Giant Heard Around the World. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Phyllis, you mentioned your church uh, experiences and the fact that you met Leo through a friend of church. Um, You've got a great quote in your book about Leo's church attendance versus yours, and you said uh, he wasn't much for regular church attendance initially, but he was always first in line for potlucks. Uh, t- <laughs> talk about that.
2: Sure. Yeah. You know, the Lord gets to us in all different types of ways. Amen. Yes, He does. It was through His. It was through His belly. So mm-hmm. that whatever works <laughs> <Right>. is fine.
0: <laughs> I think that's great. He was rather particular and meticulous in certain aspects of his life and the way things had to be set. I mean, he really had that kind of engineering precision in yes. the way he lived his life. Ta- talk about some of the maybe some of the examples that our listeners might benefit from. Uh, like to hear about.
2: Well, if you went into his laboratory at uh, GNL. Uh, You would see little tables sitting all around uh, his workbench, and they're contained on these tables. There's all kinds of cans. There's tuna cans. There's peanut butter cans. There's bean cans. And inside the cans are all the nuts and bolts that he would use uh, to design all of his instruments. Because he said, you know what, they were free, and uh, he didn't have to buy them. And uh, we teased him, the guys in the plant teased him about all of his tuna cans and things, his soup cans. But you know what, Leo came from um, a, a family that was not uh, well healed in mm-hmm. the early days, born in a barn would say that. literally. And so they were very, very careful with their money. And so Leo said, well, "Let's not throw anything out, but so we can find something to do with it." Wow! And it was that way at home too. He had cans in his bedroom <laughs> and his laboratory there. Uh, but luckily, he washed them all out. He did all of that himself. Took uh-huh. all the the labels and things off. But uh, he 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 was um, he was careful with mm-hmm. his uh, monies and with his anything that he had was not wasted
0: Mm, in
2: any way, shape, or form.
0: Well, I appreciate that efficiency. Uh, It's something that you don't, I mean, in an era of opulence, when we're used to hearing about people in the music industry or the uh, entertainment industry as a whole, you know, flying you know, private jets all over the place and having these large, lavish homes and things like that to hear about Leo Fender's testimony of saying, hey, look, I want to be efficient with this. We're not taking anything for granted and setting a tone for uh, mutual respect between uh, both the creator and the, the one who is actually uh, creating the music with those instruments. It's just, it's very, very encouraging. Phyllis Fender is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. Randall Bell, along with her, they are the co-authors of the brand new book about Phyllis's uh, late husband, Leo Fender. Uh, Leo Fender, the quiet giant heard around the world, is the book. We've got a link for the book up at the thebottomlineshow.com. Uh, more of this fascinating conversation about faith and, uh, and, and just bringing goodness to the world through music. That's our topic of conversation today here on The Bottom Line. Welcome back to this Good News Friday edition of The Bottom Line Show. Roger Marsh here. Phyllis Fender, Randall Bell. A great conversation that we had a few years ago when the book that they had written about Leo Fender, yeah, that Leo Fender, you know, the electric guitar Leo Fender, changed and revolutionized the music world, talking about his Christian faith. And it was so nice to have them in studio. Let's get back down to the conclusion of that conversation right now here on The Bottom Line. I think it's so important to, to have this conversation about this part of his life and his ministry, because as Leo Fender really did, I mean, I, this is going to sound like a cliche, but he literally was on a mission from God. Is that an accurate assessment, Phyllis?
2: Yeah, it really was. And and I didn't know that about Leo uh, for a long time. Uh, I went to church with my family. Leo, not so much. And uh, one day he decided that He needed to know my Jesus, and Mm. um, he asked me to tell him about that. And we had a wonderful moment. He did accept Jesus at that time in his life. Uh, My pastor came and made sure that we were all on the same line. Mm -hmm. But from that time on, he just wanted um, more and more to do right things, but Leo never did wrong things. He did right things, but he wanted to be sure that what he thought he was, I shouldn't say thought, what he knew he was meant to do for this world um, got done. In fact, the week before he died, uh, because of his Parkinson's disease, I had to dress him and Mm -hmm. feed him through a tube in his stomach, and and I had gotten him in bed, and he was saying goodnight. And he held my hand, and he said, you know what? And I said, what? And he said, I finished everything I was supposed to do. Oh. And I was absolutely amazed that how many people in our lifetime can say, I finished everything I was supposed to do oh and and say it with such sincerity and such complete knowledge that he had done what he was supposed
0: to do. Wow! I mean, it's as, it's as if he's he's hearing God saying, "Well done, good and faithful servant. It's time." Yeah,
2: amen. Yeah. Amen.
0: Oh wow! What a what... And,
2: and he was gone uh, a week later, and he died here in our home, getting ready to go to work.
0: Because <laughs> because we w- he wouldn't have it any other way. Right. It sounds like right. Oh my yeah. what a beautiful what a beautiful story and I'm so grateful Randy that you have been able to work with uh, Phyllis Fender to put this story together and put it in book form for people to read and begin to you know peel back the layers because most of us if we have any sort of uh, indication as to what we do know about a guy as iconic as Leo Fender has been through maybe a magazine article or two or what other musicians have said about what they've experienced in the instruments but to get to know the reason why the motivation, Behind all of this, too, and to see the family who came together, and and, and Phyllis, the uh, the years that you got to spend with him, you know, after his first wife passed away, just a uh, what a what a beautiful uh, a sweet time for the whole family. Thank you for telling this story the way you have.
2: Thank you for listening to it and wanting to hear a story.
0: Well, I, I, I I'm always up for a story. Uh, Phyllis Fender, uh, Randall Bell. Thank you for the work. Thank you for the time. We could talk for hours, and I realize that uh, maybe you could too at some point, but uh, thank you for the work that you've done with this book, and thanks for being with me today here on The Bottom Line.
2: Bless your heart, my friend.
0: Boy, it was fun revisiting that conversation, wasn't it? Uh, That was a a discussion that I had uh, with uh, Phyllis Fender and Randall Bell today here on The Bottom Line. We got to hear that once again when the book that they co-wrote about the life and legacy of Leo Fender— Uh, leo fender the quiet giant heard round the world is the name of the book we've got a link for it up at thebottomlineshow.com leo fender a very very devout christian uh, just a wonderfully nice kind gracious man wish i could have met him in person but reading his book and talking to his uh, widow and uh, their good friend uh bringing us that much closer if you've been impacted by the electric guitar you want this book and we have one copy to give away 800-227-5278 800-227-5278 800-227-5278 the number to get you through to the bottom line isn't it interesting um, how a guy like leo fender who just wanted to make electric guitars that were played by some of the greatest secular musicians of the world uh, wound up leaving an even greater legacy in his legacy of faith would that all of us have that opportunity to where when we meet the lord face to face for that final reckoning that he'll say, well done, good and faithful servant. And it won't be because we knew a bunch of famous stars, but because we surrendered our life to Jesus Christ. That's the bottom line. For our friends at KCBC, it's time for Rabbi Schneider and Discovering the Jewish Jesus. For those who remain on the network, my birthday celebration continues with another update from one of my best friends in this whole industry, Greg Harris, the president and CEO of Through the Bible. We'll get into our monthly conversation coming up next as the bottom line continues. From the studios at KBRT in Los Angeles, California, the flagship affiliate for The Bottom Line Show, I'm Roger Marsh, host of said program. Joined for our monthly visit with Greg Harris, the president and CEO of Through the Bible, ttb.org. Greg Harris, welcome back to The Bottom Line Show.
6: Thank you, Roger. I mean, this this equipment we have, I feel like we're Sitting across from each other, except we can't see each other.
0: That's true. Well, maybe we have that's to. better, given the yeah. way. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm sure it's better for your way coming my way. I no, mean, it's no, always a pleasure gonna, to see you, yeah. that's for sure. You no. know, let, speak, speaking of seeing, I mean, we're going to talk about an area of a region of the world that's kind of germane to both of us because of our proximity with Through the Bible's headquarters being in Southern California, Bottom Line Show being in Southern California. There is an area we want to focus on. We always kind of take a travel log of where Through the Bible's doing ministry, But this is one of those ministry areas that's kind of hiding in plain sight. We haven't talked recently about Latin America in a while. And I I, I know that you have a huge, vibrant ministry there. But this is kind of the part of the world where a lot of people think, oh, ministry means uh, India. Ministry means Russia. Ministry means that. And we forget about Latin America. Talk about some of the inroads that TTV has had recently, some successes, if you will.
6: Yeah, well, it's and that's an interesting question to start with because it's also our oldest ministry in mm. terms of Spanish. Now, of course, we do Portuguese and and we do uh, some other smaller languages, but of course, the major languages of Latin and Central America are Spanish and Portuguese. Um, but Spanish, we're actually celebrating um, as we record this. We're just. Barely past the fiftieth anniversary wow. of when we went into, our, and they were our first, or it was our first, uh, non-English language.
3: Interesting.
6: Um, and what's, you know, what's amazing about that is, it, it, it broke through the barrier. Uh, particularly in Dr. McGee's mind. I mean, I I mean, let's talk a little bit about Dr. McGee. You know, if you, if you hear the name through the Bible, sometimes people say, how are things that walk through the Bible or how are things (laughs) back to the Bible? And Uh I always say, I don't know, call the other ministries. We're called Mm -hmm. through the Bible. But as soon as you say, Dr. J. Vernon McGee, people go, ah, yes. Well, there was a famous conversation between the founder uh, and president of Transal Radio, Dr. Paul Freed, who I had the immense privilege of working with for yes. quite a few years, almost a decade mm. uh, before he passed away. And he was an amazing visionary, amazing man of God, so passionate. And I think a lot of who I've become as a leader um, – you know, was influenced by him because when I met him, I thought he's this august man and he was so approachable and he was so enthusiastic. You know, he wasn't, he wasn't treating me. I joined uh, Transville Radio. I was, I think I was 29 years old, you mm, know, mm-hmm. and I didn't know anything. And I was freshly minted seminary grad. I had never been anywhere. Hmm. And I'm thinking, this is the great and awesome, you know, the Oz, <laughs> Paul Freed, <laughs> you know. And he was so uh, approachable and so fun and, um, you know, but he, he came in the in the early 70s. He came to uh, a missions conference at Church of the Open Door when Dr. McGee was uh, still, I think he had just retired, but he was probably still involved. And and he said, uh, you know, Jay, Jay Vernon, I don't know what he called him, Vernon or Jay Vernon. He said, <laughs> you need to take this teaching into other languages. And Dr. McGee was actually... Uh, we've I've learned from uh, the people that knew him personally. You know he struggled with faith. You know here he was. He, he believed the word of God, but, you know he was like the rest of us. He he sometimes struggled and he thought, how are we going to pay for this? You know hmm. this is expensive mm-hmm. and there's no way to get the money back. So long story short, because Paul Freed was such a charismatic, uh, you know just incredibly persuasive person, he said, all right, I'll give it a try. And boy once we saw the response we've never looked back and so here we are 50 years later and the ministry I I, I'm gonna say approximately because there's a lot of stations that take our content for free that we don't know about Mm -hmm. but we know of about six to seven hundred local stations spread across uh, Latin America and even up into North America so here in the United States we were on a lot of Spanish stations so if you're, if you're going through the dial and you hear that you know, Spanish music or something, think maybe through the Bible's on there, but the ministry remains incredibly dynamic.
0: Greg Harris is with me today here on The Bottom Line, president and CEO of Through the Bible, ttb.org. I finally weaned myself from saying the Through the Bible, off of saying the Through the Bible radio network. Yes, so, well course, done, Roger. Thank you, thank you. It only, we've been doing these conversations yeah. for about eight years now. It, it only took a took few me, years. but Yeah, it did. Well, but you know, but here's the thing. I mean, just as you're talking about this, we were just describing everything that's been happening in Latin America. This is one of the oldest outreaches of Through the Bible, and the fact that it started, Through the Bible did as a radio ministry, and continues to thrive and we understand that it, now that's part of the mix, not just the main yes. focus. And I, but it's important to understand that everybody's multi-platform now. So if you have a solid radio foundation, then that makes it more, well, easier, I should say. It's simpler to to branch out. And there are a lot of other ministries and other media types who are saying, hey, I'm a bit on television or podcasting, but I need to kind of get the radio foundation. I would imagine it makes it a little easier for your team to look at an area like this and say, okay, well, we haven't covered all of Mexico. We haven't covered all of South America, but we've got some inroads here. Now we can build upon that foundation. As opposed to having to reconstruct it and reinvent the wheel a little bit.
6: Yeah, and you know I, I like to play with numbers and uh, I, I ran some calculations it was a while ago but I think it's still probably quite accurate and I in a in a one-year period uh, we release more than 1 million terrestrial broadcasts Wow so that, yeah wow. And, and that's and you say okay well that's a, that's a number what does that mean today well that means over 3,000 in a day okay and mm-hmm. then you break it down and it gets even crazier which is about on average not exactly But, you know, if you average the numbers, on average, about every 30 seconds, we are – Airing a new terrestrial broadcast somewhere on Earth, so mm. that gives you mm. a, a pretty cool sense. Which means in the few minutes we've been talking, probably you know an average of twenty or thirty different terrestrial broadcasts would have gone out, mm. and uh, you know that gives you a sense. Radio is still very important to us, but we did change our name because, like you said, everybody's multi-platform these days. You are with my hope now, mm-hmm. and that's great. And you know we all are flinging out the seed. As Dr. McGee said, in as many ways as we can.
0: Greg Harris is with me today from Through the Bible Radio Network. I had to throw that in there. Uh, today here on the <laughs> hey, Bottom Line right. Show. Eh. as we, well, as we ta- playing. you playing. Sure, right? I do, do I get a copy of the home game and some Eskimo <laughs> so buys to take you with do. me? You okay. get the Dr. Yeah.
6: McGee cardboard yeah. cutout.
0: That's great. That's great. Well, <laughs> I will cherish that. Um, let, let's talk about what's... I mean, do you have a letter mm. or two? This is silly. I'm oh, asking gee, Greg yeah. Harris if he has a letter. Um, <laughs> do you have a letter yeah. or two? I know you and Steve share those on the radio program and yep. the Terrestrial Rock all the time. But there's... Uh, Sometimes you and I get into this and you'll have a letter that maybe didn't make it on the air. And I, I know a lot of our listeners love to hear those things, but especially on the concentrating on the area we're talking about right now.
6: Yeah, absolutely. We have obviously lots and lots. And you were correct. A lot of what you hear on the air is just the tip of the iceberg. So uh, and let's go to Central America because we talked about Latin America. But, boy, nobody really talks about Central America anymore. Uh, and uh, this is from Panama. Uh where Edgar says, I have been studying the Bible with you for about three years. I was looking for a Bible school, and since I work on an island, now he didn't say what island he works on, but this is I love these stories, because it's like, wow, these people are everywhere.
3: Mm-hmm.
6: Since I work on an island, he says, it's difficult for me to go to church. By chance, I found you, and have learned a lot. I really like your studies and the introduction, which gives a lot of historical information in general, mm. all your content is valuable. And, you know, Roger, I just, I, there's so many things I love about that letter. You know, he's, he's three years into his journey and we get, you know, we get people that say, I just found you. We get be, uh, unbelievers who say, I've been listening. I'm not a believer, but I'm interested. We get people that say, I've been listening to my grandmother you know listen to you
3: Mm. and so
6: i love the fact that the that the bible bus as dr mcgee called this amazing five-year journey through the whole word of god it's it's a it's like a a merry-go-round you can jump on or off at any time and uh i just love that i also love he says i found you by chance Um, Mm -hmm. and another theme that we've been hearing a lot lately is the introduction, giving historical information, you, you, me, and everybody probably under the sound of our voice, you know, we have access to incredible websites and, you know, we can buy books and, and resources and, and get outlines and historical background and study Bibles. Well, a lot of the people in the world either can't access it or they can't afford it. And so imagine how valuable it is to get the fact that you're studying a a prison epistle and that paul was in prison and that it was connected to this mission after his missionary journeys this happened and you know we hear this a lot steve schwetz and i were in uganda and we heard this repeatedly the the historical context is so helpful to people imagine if you never had that and you were trying to read the bible without Mm. it
0: Mm -hmm. it's just it's it sounds like it's virtually impossible to do and yet the lasting legacy of Dr. J. Vernon McGee is these messages given so many years ago and then with the context that keeps them fresh and keeps them, uh, yeah, well, the, the seed continues to sprout you know, as it's planted properly. Yeah. Greg Harris, the president and CEO of Through the Bible with me today here on The Bottom Line Show. ttb.org is where you find them online. We're taking a look at what's happening in the ministry of Through the Bible, especially as it pertains to Latin America. And we'll have more of this conversation in just a moment as The Bottom Line continues. or visit kbrightradio.com slash Wilson Financial and ask about Dennis Wilson's exclusive real estate-backed 6% investment account. Wilson Financial Services, for simply better alternatives. Greg Harris is my guest today here on the Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh, our monthly update here from the studios of KBRT in Los Angeles, the uh, flagship affiliate of the Bottom Line show, and of course, everywhere the Bottom Line goes, through the Bible goes. Everywhere Crawford Broadcasting goes, through the Bible goes. I'm <laughs> hey, pretty man. sure, Greg, you're on. Yeah, every <laughs> single, every single Crawford Music station to my
6: ears. Oh, well, yes, I, and it's it's really why this is such a special relationship, and and no. uh, you know, it's like the UK and the United States. No, I'm just. <laughs> <kidding>. <laughs> we won't get. Wait a minute. All. Wait uh, hold anyway. on yeah, a minute. Yeah. yeah right. Mr. Crawford is, uh, is going to call me up and say, yeah, uh, yeah, no, I'm just, uh, you and I, we get, we get, we have too much fun when we're together. This is the problem. You know, we <laughs> get loose, but, uh, yeah, it is a special relationship. And, uh, because we share the same heart, we yeah. want people to get into the word of God. Cause we, we believe the word of God is the source of salvation, Amen. eternal life transformation. It is the answer that all of us need as the world gets crazier and crazier. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: so no question about that. Yeah. And Greg, toward that end, I think when we're we're talking about Latin America today, we're talking about Mexico and, you know, parts of South America and places that we don't typically think of as mission outreach is for through the Bible. you know through the right. Bible has a you know, kind of a worldwide outreach and these are a little too close to home, especially for those of us in North America. But you have you know as duly noted in the opening segment, I mean through the Bible has a history with Mexico, for example, that goes back 50 years. I mean mm-hmm. this is, this isn't like new territory. you've been ministering here. I mean we, we talk right. about the hundreds of languages now that through the Bible is in, but these were the first you know, in yeah, terms of outside that's right. of English. And, and that's it's, right. it's critical to, see, to hear. And, what, oh, go ahead.
6: I'm sorry, forgive me. I was just going to say, and, you know, I, I say this on our flagship program, but some of the people hearing us, maybe you don't listen to Through the Bible. We hope you will, and you'll be blessed by it. Mm-hmm. But we say, you know, when, you, when your mission is to take the whole word to the whole world, you don't, it's not like a, a chocolate box where you pick out the ones you like. You know, we are trying <laughs> to get to, to the whole world. And so Latin America is a big part of the whole world.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, well, and I think about, too, it was a big eye opener for me. I mean, you're an international missions guy, so obviously this was not new to you recently. But it's only been in the past maybe two decades that I've started making the connection in terms of who speaks which languages, to get an idea, because I think we we all kind of grew up here in the States with, okay, everybody wants to be America, so they all want to speak English. And, you know, the two international languages are English and French, so those are the most important languages to learn. And you're like, wait, there are more Spanish speakers in the world than there are English speakers, correct? Or so, at least it's neck and neck.
6: Yeah, it's, it's, the problem with English, you know, is it, is it first language, how many are, have facility, in it? it? it is, they're very close. They're both up there in the top lists of the whole world, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. But but as we that makes your job a little more challenging. It's not just a question of saying let's find somebody who can translate Doctor McGee's teaching into Spanish. I mean what what you've seen in Mexico and then you mentioned Portuguese and other different mm-hmm. languages too. Uh, it, there, I'm sure there are some ongoing challenges. But uh, what is the climate like for those who are hearing these these teachings? You know, what, in terms of is there any government resistance? Do you have to kind of sneak it in like you do in some other countries, or can they, you be a little more bold and outspoken?
6: Yeah, it's well, it's and I know we're not we're not trying to be sectarian in any way, but but uh, I, I'm going to use the word the Catholic Church in Latin America uh, can see it as a threat at times, and and you see that the institutional church sometimes sees uh, the the simple evangelical teaching of the Bible as a threat. Uh, that it, it varies, Roger, and, and uh, you see that in uh, in the Orthodox churches sometimes in different mm-hmm. parts of the world, and uh, and again, that's not to put down those churches. It's just you know everybody everybody battles the flesh, right? right and right. and so and you and I know in the, even in the Christian organizational world it's not all roses and peaches and cream you know we, yeah. we are yeah <laughs> yeah sinners you know we're sinners <laughs> right. and sometimes yeah. we demonstrate that so i'm just pointing out that the the it's less governmental and it's more religious institutions that sometimes view can view it as a threat but there there's a lot of renewal going on in the catholic church and a lot of people who uh, are coming out of the catholic church in latin america uh, there's a lot of syncretism as well hmm. in in the pews okay so people going attending maybe a Catholic church in Peru or you know Chile or Uruguay you know they they may have some really strange inter and by syncretism I just mean it's like a a mixture of, of of uh, superstition, right, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and kind of even animism and worship of different idols and spirits, and it, people people can kind of we see this here in the states. People put you know kind of go to the buffet of religion and put together what they think. They want, as opposed to seeking the truth, and and the picture I want to paint is that this is the role that God has given through the Bible, the, the incredible blessing is just to bring in the Word of God, yeah. and and we hear people go, I never heard that before, and that we love those kind of uh, those kind of testimonies. So it's 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 an exciting uh, environment. And, you know, we're, it's in many different countries in Latin America. And as I mentioned in our last segment, you know, uh, a couple hundred stations all across the United States. Um, mm-hmm. And, and, you know, we're just so grateful to be able to, and I, I, I picked this phrase up from Dr. McGee and you hear me use it a lot. We fling the seed. I love it. Cause it's just, it's so simple to understand. Like yep. we're just the sower flinging the seed out there. Mm-hmm. And then, and then as we, as I read letters, you're like, wow, God is really growing a A cool thing there in that soil in that country in that place the last segment i read a a guy that is on an island in panama (laughs) pretty cool huh
0: yeah it really is greg harris is with me today here on the bottom line greg is the president and ceo of through the bible ttb.org we're talking about the through the bible influence in latin america and how oftentimes we here in the States might take it for granted simply because it's one of the older expressions of foreign language ministry, as we would call it, and some of the cultural changes that are there. And I love that 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 image of flinging the seat. I could see, it's funny, uh, your board member, Rob Yardley, who I'm kind of obsessed with stalking on social media. Oh, yeah, because, he's a well, fun guy. Well, he is a fun guy, and he lives on social media. Yes. You know, which is, he <laughs> so does. It's not hard to find Rob, but he, every now and again, he'll go through these things like on Facebook where he He's posting these older pictures of Dr. McGee. You know, yeah. here's Dr. McGee in the garden. Here's Dr. McGee with his wife. Here's You know, just ordinary, normal pictures. And so I have this vision of him wearing one of those little over-the-shoulder harness things with the seed in the packet, just yeah. kind of going through saying, thus saith the Lord. You know, spraying it everywhere. <laughs> that's right. And thinking, well, that's really cool. But I mean, when you get right down to it, it's amazing how taking the whole word to the whole world. And flinging the seed, and people marvel at how successful the ministry through the Bible has been. You're you're stewarding it so very very well, Greg. Um, talk about how um, the the impact. I mean, you mentioned the radio station growth. Uh, what kind of response are you getting? Are you able to train up leaders? You know, coming in Central and South America, is there is there the TV ministry starting to explode like it is in the Middle East? You know, kind of take us a little further into what the ministry is up to.
6: Well, as you said earlier, uh, you know, everybody in communications is multimedia multi-platform it's a right. question of you know how and where and when and what what we can afford and you know it's a lot more complicated than it used to be mm-hmm. uh, and that's just just before i answer your question i did want to make a comment and that is the thing that i love about telling the story through the bible is it's it's so simple And in Mm -hmm. in this age where I I know all of us are being overwhelmed by the complexity of the world we live in, you know, whether it's something like, like we're going to go on vacation and I was downloading an app because we got a new air conditioner and there's an app for it, of course, and you have to set up an account. And, and it's like, yes, I can control my thermostat from anywhere in the world. That's the good part, (laughs) which is why would I want to do that when I'm in India, right? Like make Uh sure I turn the thermostat down. But, but it, It's also a level of complexity and then all the social issues. So there's something refreshing. And I hope that our conversation is for those who who love and follow Jesus and believe the Bible is his word. I hope this is a refreshing conversation here. You know, yes, the world is complicated. We're not denying that. I mean, I, you know, I deal with people all over the world. My life is filled with complexity. But there's a simplicity that... You know, as Dr. McGee said, to change the metaphor, we just have to hand out the bread of life. When Jesus was feeding the 5,000, the disciples mm-hmm. job was just to hand out the bread and the fish, right? Yeah. And we're, it's simple. But yes, to answer your question, uh, we are on lots of media with our partners. I um, actually here's, we, sometimes it's harder to get on digital media, direct responses, but this is a cool one. A follower on Instagram from Latin America said, my seat, is fixed on the bible bus because christ <laughs> paid for the ticket <laughs> i love that now in uh, in in spanish they don't have steve schwetz saying i'll i'll save a seat just for you those mm-hmm. of you that listen to our english program know steve says that almost every day and i'll save you a seat i love mm-hmm. that yeah and he said this uh this follower on Instagram says, we continue in joy through the Bible. God bless you.
0: Mm, beautiful, beautiful uh, testimony that Greg Harris is sharing with us today here on The Bottom Line. Roger Marsh here in the studios of The Bottom Line Show at KBRT in Southern California, our flagship affiliate. It's our monthly update from the ministry of Through the Bible. Ttb.org is where you find them online. And we have more of this conversation in just a moment as The Bottom Line continues. make your best donation right now. $50, $100. Maybe you want to give $15,000. It's completely tax deductible. We've had a couple of bottom line listeners step up and do just that. 833-850-BABY. 833-850-BABY. That's 833-850-2229. Call Preborn right now. Welcome back to this special edition of The Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh here at the studios of KBRT in Los Angeles, the flagship affiliate for The Bottom Line Show. Joined for this segment by Greg Harris, the president and CEO of Through the Bible, ttb.org. We're talking about Latin America. And Greg, I know you have another uh message you want to share it's not necessarily a letter per se but uh someone who's responding from that region
6: well you asked in the last segment about non-radio and this this person uh writes this this is a great response this is my third round on the bible bus Mm. i listened to it through the internet where i downloaded the audio and text of the study and then i share it with three whatsapp groups Two out of the three groups were formed during the pandemic. Hmm. One of the groups has been around for over 10 years and consists of my former colleagues, friends, and anyone who accepts the invitation to study the Bible. The second group consists of my family members and the third group is the missionary team of Emmanuel Baptist Church and my pastor Jorge Cenoja yeah. therefore 96 brothers and sisters are receiving their daily studies not counting the fact that some of them forward the study to their disciples oh my and Roger that you asked about Non-radio, digital, social media. This is a perfect example of how viral through the Bible can become. I mean, this is one person impacting at least a hundred people.
0: Love it, love it, and the viral becomes so vital in the day and age uh. that we're living in. And uh, yeah, it, it, it's 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 wonderful to see. It, we we oftentimes we think just our human interactions day to day might in, it touch you know five or ten people, but what we just heard you know says hey, don't discount the fact that it it Factors in even, even more. We've got about 60 seconds left in our time together with the session, Greg. Talk about why, How give our listeners uh, some in, encouragement as to how we can be praying for this region of the world through the ministry, through the Bible right now.
6: Well, if you sign, I know people say, oh, don't ask me to sign up. Uh, we have the World Prayer Team every day, Monday through Friday. If you go to ttb.org forward slash forward slash pray, give us your email. We will never ask you for money. All we will ever do is send you encouraging stories and ask you to pray each day for a different country around the world. Uh, This is, you know, Through the Bible has a no fundraising policy. We We don't ask for money. So you don't have to worry about that. We'll never sell your email. All we'll ever do is encourage you with stories and ask you to pray. That's how you can actually have a worldwide ministry by doing that.
0: Love that! I love that. TTB.org is where you can sign up for this. And also, Greg doesn't mention this, but I do. If you want to support the ministry of Through the Bible financially and you want to do so over the phone, 865-BIBLE is the easiest phone number you'll ever have to remember. That's 800-652-4253. Greg Harris, always a pleasure. Thank you for your time today here on The Bottom Line Show. Really appreciate it. It's a joy, Roger. Thank you. Please support the ministry of Through the Bible. Support all the ministries that you hear here on the Bottom Line Show affiliates, but uh, uh, please know that Through the Bible is a, a special one for us. Um, I do have a copy of Dr. McGee's commentary on the Gospel of John, and if you'd like it, uh, first one to call gets it, 800 227 5278. 800 227 5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. I really appreciate Greg Harris and the fantastic work he's done with Through the Bible. Uh, we've walked life together as contemporaries. We're about the same age, and my birthday's here at the start of September. Greg's is actually at the end of the month. But even more so, the fact that we've had the opportunity to touch as many lives as we have for the kingdom from our respective posts, running our respective races. Uh, it's an honor and privilege to be with him. And I figured this is a fantastic way to close out a very special commemorative day uh, for yours truly. So, Greg, thanks for making my uh, birthday broadcast so special. And thank you to you as well for your listening, your prayers and your support of uh, the sponsors who sponsored this show couldn't do it without you and of course couldn't do it without the Lord and we're getting ready to enter year number 13 in a couple weeks. Thank the Lord for another year of life and thank him for another year of us ministering together here on the Bottom Line Show. Have a great weekend.